0: Turning your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2, that's where we're going to be today. And uh, we're talking about the last practice, the last kind of truth of Peter's message that has to do with us inwardly, right? We've talked about um, engaging with the Lordship of Christ. We've talked about engaging in repentance and baptism. And then he talks about it there in verse 37, 38 of his message Uh, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So this is something he's experienced. This is something that he has felt. This is something that he's received earlier, and we've talked about it over these last few weeks, how we're going to go back, and we're going to look at when the Holy Spirit came in the beginning of Acts, and today's that day. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13 is where we're going to be in just a moment. But the order was important. The order was important. We'll get into more of that in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask you to kind of set this up. How many of you have ever been a part of a week-long revival? You remember the revivals? You remember doing an an old-time revival where you'd have a speaker come for the week, a guest speaker, Right, and, uh, and, and chances are you had like four or five services in the evening. You might have even had a teen night, a night for the teenagers, right, to come and and uh, you tried to get people to come from the community, and uh, and 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 do an an old fa- I say old fashioned revival, right? But back then it wasn't really old fashioned, but it was just it was a revival, right? And uh, and sometimes you know the fruit of those would be magnificent right? And, it, and it'd be the equivalent to kind of what we do now in the summer with VBS, right? Vacation Bible school, you take a week out of the summer and pe- people take a week off of work and we decorate the church, we transform it into the belly of a fish or something like that for Jonah, not Noah, okay? I said that Noah was in the belly of a fish earlier uh, in the first service. I was all messed up with my Old Testament folks in the first service. Hopefully we've gotten some of that straightened out this time. Um, right, but we we would kind of transform some things, right, VBS, and kids would come, and kids that we don't normally see on Sundays would come, and, and 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 hopefully they'd have a great experience, and and it seems like it always makes it in there, if you've ever done snacks for VBS, right, you crush up the Oreos, right, you make the dirt, and you put the gummy worms in there with the chocolate pudding in the bottom, it's my favorite, it's my favorite VBS snack, and it seems to always make it in there, they always make a correlation to dirt, right. Anyway, that's not even part of the message. Um, or like Camp 207, right, That where, where you do a, a week-long youth camp, right? A week-long youth camp, and you go, and you send your teenagers, and you take their phones away. <gasps> oh, my goodness, right? You separate them from reality. You pull them out. You exhaust them the week. You feed them waffles every morning. That's, that's the best part of camp. Every, all of you want to sign up now. For Camp Two Hundred Seven, because you get chocolate chip or blueberry waffles in the morning if you're a leader. Hint, hint. Just follow the ways of your pastor, and I will show show you the light of waffle. Anyway, um, but you wear them out with tubing and sports and wreck and all that, and then you speak to them at night, and they just have you know, they come home from camp, and it's an unbelievable experience right it's an unbelievable experience it's a revival within the heart and there's something that happens during these weeks there's an expectation during these weeks there's an anticipation during these weeks that we don't necessarily feel on Sunday morning can we agree there's an expectation there's an anticipation and there's an experience that happens in these week-long revivals, in these week-long experiences at camp, at VBS, and mission trips, right? How many people have gone on a mission trip and you've just come back? And the people that you've gone with, you have an unbelievable experience and there's connections, right, that, that, that last a lifetime. There's stories that are told, that, uh, memories that last forever. We went on a mission trip right before COVID hit back in March, and I think Kristen and I and Ian and Bree, we're still covered in drywall dust from hanging drywall down in, in the Bahamas, but it, that was an experience we'll never forget. We'll never forget. Revival is actually defined as this. If you were to type revival, the word revival in Google and hit enter, these are the first two that comes up, that come up, and I know that because I did that about two and a half hours ago. Okay. But these are the first two that come up an improvement in the condition or strength of something an improvement in the condition or strength of something so when we're praying for revival right what we're praying for is we're praying for an improvement in the strength of the church and the spiritual condition of the people within it right i mean that would probably be so And we see that, we see that in week-long revivals, we've seen that, I've seen that, right? We've seen that in camps, we've seen that in VBSs, we've seen that in mission trips. We've seen the fruit of this revival, an improvement in the condition or strength of something, right? The second one, an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again, An instance of something becoming popular, active, I think that's my favorite descriptive word here, or important, close second, again. And so when we're praying for revival, we're praying for the strength and the condition of something, right? But we're also praying that it becomes active and important again. What does this have to do with our message today? I'm glad you asked. There is a disconnect you hear me? There's a disconnect with who we are as people, as the church, as the body of Christ, and who the Holy Spirit is. There's a disconnect between who we are as people, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus, the bride, the bride of Christ, and who the Holy Spirit is. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect with who we are as a people and who the Holy Spirit is is and here's the reality we need a revival when it comes to the holy spirit our relationship with the holy spirit needs to be strengthened become active important again but revival doesn't come because we have a guest preacher i hope Revival comes because God in His gracious good will determines to pour out His Spirit in power on an expectant, hungry, thirsty, praying people. I want you to hear that again. Revival comes because God in His gracious good will determines to pour out His Spirit, His Holy Spirit in power On an expectant, hungry, thirsty, and praying people. Expectant, hungry, thirsty, and praying people. Why are those things so effective? Why are those things so effective? I mean, I I sit on the board for Camp 207 right now. We're already meeting, we're already praying. I've already, I've already. Planned message themes for August, for camp. I'm already praying and talking to the students that I'm going to see night after night after night from August 15th through the 20th. There's, a, there's an expectancy. There's a hunger. There's a thirst for what we're going to experience at camp together. There's a group of people that pray constantly for that. Right? We're already planning vacation Bible school. I had my first conversation with somebody last week trying to rope them into leadership so that Ian can delegate and give them stuff. Right? I mean, we're already making plans for June to do this vacation Bible school. I'm already praying for it because we're looking at doing it at a different location because well, obviously we can't do it here, right? And so we're, we're looking at doing it elsewhere and like, like there's prayer around it, right? When we go on mission trips, we commission people, we pray for them. There's a hunger and thirst for people for something new, even when they don't even recognize it, right? And so, and there's an expectancy, right? Because there's a job to do and there's an expectancy. And yet we approach those things with this expectancy, with this hunger, with this thirst, with this prayer that we don't expect out of Sunday morning. That we don't expect out of Monday. That we don't expect out of Tuesday. And yet we flippantly throw out there, yes, God is the same yesterday and today and forever, but do we believe it? Because we're not living that. With this expectancy, with this hunger, with this thirst, with a prayer life for tomorrow, God, give me the strength, revive my heart with what I need for tomorrow. Right? You see it? You see the disconnect? You see the disconnect between the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and the way that we're acting and living? I believe with everything in me that God can speak to us as loudly and boldly and clearly and the transformation could be even more than we experience in a full week of camp. Every week. If we were to come in with an expectancy, a hunger, a hunger, And a thirst, praying for what God would have for us, like we do in those other areas. And I would argue we need it. I wouldn't argue, we we need it. I mean, Jesus even says it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those, blessed are those in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those, the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Waffles. No, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the things of God. To be in right standing with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, make their lives passion, the things of God. And you know the promise there? For they shall be satisfied. Man, how many, do we, how many people do we talk to on a daily basis? How many times do we beat ourselves up? Because we're just aiming and searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There is a strong disconnect between the person and work of the Holy Spirit and us. There's a disconnect between the person and work of the Holy Spirit and us. A.W. Tozer, he's a scholar, says this, this on the screen, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95 percent of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had, with, had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95 percent of what they did would stop, and everyone would know the difference. Leave that up for just a moment, Dave. The expectancy, the hunger. And the thirst and the prayer. This is my prayer for us today. That we would hunger and thirst and live a life of expectancy fueled by prayer like never before. Because there's a power That we can live our lives by. That we can reconnect with. And that's why Peter here, when he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why he wanted them to get this. Right? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, why are we doing it in this order? Why did we talk about lordship? Why did we talk about repent and be baptized? And now we're coming into the, into the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit had already fallen. I'm really glad you asked, because I want to clear that up for you right now. Because we've talked about the Holy Spirit a lot the last couple of weeks. And we haven't gone back to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, where the, where the Holy Spirit came on the early church. Why, why didn't we start with that? Great question, because Peter didn't start with that. Peter, in his first sermon that we're modeling this whole sermon series after, engaging as the body of Christ with one another, but engaging as the body of Christ with God, which is where it's got to start, and these first four practices start, right? He says, this Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Christ and Lord. you remember that? So a couple weeks ago, we had to deal with the Lordship of Christ. We had to deal with the fact that He's in control, and we are we are called, we are called to surrender our lives to Him. Starts there. Lordship of Christ, right? I'm not in control. He is, okay? And then that means I've got to do some things, right? Repent and be baptized. There's an inward change, repentance, right? Of sin, of the things that separate me from Him so that I can live in fellowship with Him and be baptized. Outward expression of inward change. All still dealing with me, right? And then he says, so that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How can Peter say that? Because He's experienced it. He's experienced it. And I want us to read how He experienced it. Starting in verse 1. You ready? Woo, man, this is a good message. It's a good message. Verse 1, chapter 2, Acts. Let's go. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, remember... We kicked this message series off. We talked about engage January second, right? And uh, and we no one January anyway. Whatever date it was, the third. Okay kicked it off, and we talked about Jesus had ascended into heaven, right? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They withdrew to the upper room. They replaced Judas on the discipleship, on the the disciple team, okay? And, And now they're still together in one place. The day of Pentecost had arrived. What does Pentecost mean? It means 50. We'll get to that more in just a little bit, but they were together in one place. This 120 people or so that Jesus had appeared to after his resurrection, before his ascension, those are the people that were together in one place. I just want to make sure because I know, I know we spent the last couple of weeks kind of, kind of fast forwarding a little bit. As we're jumping back, I wanted to remind you, those, those that Jesus appeared to, 120, 140 people or so, all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Underline that word suddenly. You know what that tells me this morning? That encourages me in a big way because it means that God can meet me right where I'm at. And suddenly, there came like a mighty rushing wind. Now, this might have blown their minds a little bit because before Old Testament, before Jesus, there were ceremonial washings, there were ceremonial cleaning. Like there were, there was such a to do when it comes when it came to encountering the presence of God. And yet, here Jesus has ascended, and they're in the and they're in a house together, all together, right? And suddenly, a sound. A rushing wind came. Suddenly, God can meet us right where we're at. Verse 3 And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, here it is, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Big deal. This is a huge deal. Because this is what the whole Old Testament, this is what Jesus had promised that everybody was waiting for this moment. And it's here. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, you're not all these who are speaking Galileans? So you had all these Galileans speaking in these these different native languages. Verse 8, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, let's just call it Fergie, and Pamphylia. Somebody sent me the pronunciation of that in between services and I didn't I didn't listen to it. But the that, that first one in verse 10 always messes me up Frit fr- Fergie and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now. The gift of tongues in this case, hear me now. Because this gets really confusing, and we divide churches and denominations around the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues in this was not for confusion and separation. It was for unity and understanding. You hear that? And when Paul preaches about tongues and the gift of tongues in chords, he talks about that it's used for the edification of the body, not for the confusion of the church. Okay? Not for the confusion of the church. But yet, this is one of the reasons... Well, let me, Did I get all of it? No. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. Others mocking, saying they're filled with new wine. Listen, the Holy Spirit has become something that we don't want to touch. Right? Why? Well, for some of us, there's confusion around it, right? There's confusion around it. I mean, some of us have been taught. I was taught at one point that that uh, that I wasn't saved unless I was speaking in tongues, unless I was praying in tongues. It's not not the case. It's not true. Right. Tongue. It, it, we're not going there. OK. Right. But that's that's not true. And so some of us have been taught bad things theology, hear my heart, some of this has been taught bad theology around the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So much so that that books are written. Um, One of our favorite authors around here, Francis Chan, wrote a book called The Forgotten God, talking all about the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God. Why? Because we don't know how to touch it. We don't know how how to engage with the Holy Spirit because there are so many different teachings about Him. The other reason many of us might be hesitant to engage with the Holy Spirit, right, is because last time we engaged with the Holy Spirit, He called us to preach uh, in a place where you wake up on Sunday morning and it feels like minus one degrees outside. And you don't want to do that stuff anymore, right? Ten years ago, we, we, we moved up here to preach in, in Maine, right? And, God led us here. The Holy Spirit came with us here. Got us all the way through D.C., the New Jersey Turnpike, and George Washington Bridge, and, 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 and brought us here. Right. And some people are fearful to engage with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this with Lordship, because last time we surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, last time we surrendered to the Holy Spirit and His leading and His power, He led us someplace that was hard. And we don't want to do hard anymore. Whatever the case, there's a disconnect between us and the Holy Spirit. And the only way to bridge that disconnect is to talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible goes as far as to talk about the Holy Spirit as a mediator. One's One that, one that um, um, speaks for us. One that prays for us when we don't even know what to pray. With groanings that are too deep for words. You know what that tells me? That the Holy Spirit is one that brings understanding. Not confusion. Not confusion. And so if you've ever been confused by teaching or belief around the Holy Spirit, my prayer is that today you see clearly you see clearly who the Holy Spirit is and the impact that His ministry can have on your life. So, two things I want to talk about with the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Somebody say helper. Come on now, come on now. The 8.30 service was asleep. Okay, and and rightfully so. They were frozen, all right? And they didn't get thawed out until we dismissed. All right, the Holy Spirit's our helper. Somebody say helper. There you go, there you go. Say it like you're cheering for the Packers today, right? Wow. Wow. I tell you what, bringing up Tom Brady in New England now is like talking politics. You never know what you're going to get, right? Huh. Anyway, okay, we're going to move on from football today. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit's our helper. Now, let's back up, okay? The Holy Spirit's our helper. That's our first point, one of two, okay? The, what are the fruits of the Spirit, right? Paul talks about this. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You ever heard the song, right? It's a song with the same lyrics that just gets faster as you go. Really hard for adults. Kids love it, okay? But the fruit of the spirit. Let me try to slow it down. Love, joy, peace, patience. We can leave that one out. So love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right. Let's just leave patience out of that. Right. We don't need. We don't need none of that. Okay. We're New Englanders, and we like what we like and we like it now we don't need patience right we can't do that right it's in the scriptures we talked about it last week we can't treat the scriptures like a buffet so we got to leave patience in there love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control how many of us got that list all worked out good okay we had one in the first service eva champa she's got that whole list worked out and so if you got questions you can ask her um she'll straighten it all out for you okay But none of us, right? None of us, none of us. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we talked about last week with repentance, right? We're going to battle sin for, for the rest of our lives this side of heaven, right? There's always a need for repentance. The message of repentance is always for us. The message of the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the disconnect is always for us. Right? Because if you take that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, justice, self-control, there's always one that one of us needs to work on. Right? That one of us needs to work on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, justice, self-control. But that is where the fruit of the Spirit, the helper, right, comes in and helps us. How do we know it? How can we judge a tree? By its fruit. Thank you, Pastor Ian. Snaps for Pastor Ian. Right? We know a tree. We can judge a tree by its fruit. Right? And so if we look at the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Hey, man, we're getting, we're getting good now. Right? Right? How are those things manifesting themselves in our lives? I'm not asking you to answer for your husband or your wife. Son or daughter, person next to you. I'm not asking for you to do it for your friend next to you. I'm asking you, how are the fruits of the Spirit manifesting themselves in your life? This is where the Holy Spirit helps us. Jesus knew that we were going to need this. We reference this passage all the time. It's about time we go there. John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, Jesus will also do the works that I do. What a statement. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, lost my place. I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. You see how that's capitalized there? Helper, right? What's he referring to? The Holy Spirit. Another name for the Holy Spirit, helper. And so Jesus is speaking here, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit, there it is again, capitalized, of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You will know Him for He dwells with you and, get this, will be in you. So this helper, this spirit of truth, right? This helper, this spirit of truth, right? Is going to not only be with you, but he's going to be in you. He helps us in our weakness. Now, hear me here. But from John 14, and the fact that the Holy Spirit is our helper, we can gather this. The Holy Spirit in us is greater than the Jesus beside us. The Holy Spirit in us is greater than the Holy Spirit beside us. Whoa, whoa, Pastor Travis, how can you say that? Because Jesus said it. Because Jesus said it. I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send you a helper. And this Spirit of truth is going to be in you. It's going to be in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. The Holy Spirit in us is greater than the Jesus beside us. Yet there's a disconnect between the person and work of the Holy Spirit and us. Why? Because we have a power that we're not accessing. Because we have a helper that we're not accessing. I love math. Love math. Equations, the more letters you put in there, the happier I am. I dig it. I know I'm sick. Okay? Some of you like English and words and all that. Good for you, right? I love it. I love math. Micah doesn't. My 11-year-old loathes math. Okay, but Micah knows my passion for math. But you know what she does when she is doing her math homework? Since I've become her like part-time teacher. Over the last ten months, when it comes to a problem that she doesn't understand, she likes to put her pencil down very dramatically, so that you know, but she doesn't want to say it, and storm off. That's how she—that's how she acts when she doesn't get it. And we've had conversation after conversation after conversation over the last ten months, especially, but over the last couple years, as math has gotten harder. Right? Micah, I'm here to help. But my little now 11-year-old doesn't know or like asking for help when it comes to math homework. Because she feels ashamed. Because she feels like she ought to know how to do it. And as I watched her this past week do that, and say, Micah, why do you struggle asking Daddy for help when it comes to your math homework? I love helping you. I enjoy helping you. This brings us closer together. It's scratching it. It's for Daddy to do fifth grade math. When she gets to college, we're going to be in big, big trouble. Right? But for now, it's awesome. Why do you struggle? Because I should know this stuff. How many of us do that with the person and word of the Holy Spirit? I should know this stuff. I should know how to love Him. I should know how to love her. I should know how to spend time. I should know how to forgive. I should know how to deal with this. I should know. I should know. I should know. I can do this myself. And we turn into these Christian toddlers where we stomp our feet and say, "My do it myself," when the Holy Spirit's power is right inside of us saying, "Let me help you." It's kind of my job. It's kind of why I came to be your helper. Let me help. And the Holy Spirit would whisper, and maybe not even whisper, shout at times, you know my favorite place to help? In your weakest spots. Because He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul tells the church at Corinth, my power made perfect in weakness. Which brings us right to our second point. That He's not only our helper. Number two, He is our power. Somebody say power. That's better. Woo! We got there. We're defrosted. I'm, man, it is getting warm in here. He is our power. He's our power. Pentecost means... 50. We talked about that, right? 50 days after the Passover feast. 50 days after the Passover feast. But if you go back to Acts chapter 2 and you look at the first four verses there, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came like a mighty rushing wind. Somebody say wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire. Somebody say fire. Two descriptive words here, wind and fire. This is no coincidence. This has happened before. What Luke is doing and, what Pe- and is he's describing this scene that, that everybody would have understood because they would have heard the stories of the Israelites in the book of Exodus being led from Pharaoh's rule out into the wilderness in search of the promised land under the leadership of Moses, being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In fact, Exodus 13, verses 21, 22, these people were being brought from slavery into freedom, and the Lord went, verse 21, before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel day and by night. Verse 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so we see the heart of God, even with the Israelites leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's what the Holy Spirit's ministry is here. The power of the Holy Spirit leading us by wind and by fire. Came like a sound of mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. These two words were used to describe the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture and the leading of God. And, how, and now it's being described, uh, again, by the Holy Spirit in leading us day by day. What's the significance in the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night? The first thing of significance is that he was going to lead them. He was going to lead them fearlessly, right? How many of us would love to have a cloud that goes before us every day in a pillar of fire by night to help us make every decision and show us every turn and, and step that we should take and decision that we should make? Wouldn't that be awesome? We do. It's called the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. Right. But he was going to lead them. He was going to lead them and he was going to lead them fearlessly. What kind of confidence would that give the people to know that God's presence was right in front of them, leading them? Number two, he was going to protect them. He was going to protect them. The pillar of fire was a big deal with the protection because they needed to be able to travel day and night. It was clear that the Scripture talked about the reason for this, the reason for God's presence going in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, was for the protection of the people, because these people were fleeing captivity. These people were fleeing slavery. And so they needed to be able to travel by day and by night to be able to stay safe and continue to flee. And so in in God's protection... He enables them with the pillar of fire by night to lead them around the clock to safety. And so, not only was he going to lead them, but he was going to protect them. And then, number three, his presence was going to go with them. His presence was going to be with them every day. His presence was going to be with them every day. And this was huge. This was huge. Loneliness is not a new thing in the last 10 months. Isolation is not a new thing in the last 10 months. These feelings that we feel that we're out of touch and that we feel alone and that we feel separated is not a new thing. It's been around. It's been around. And can you imagine these these tons of thousands of people following Moses And Aaron into the wilderness. Thinking, what in the world are we doing? We need the presence of God. And it being able to be right in front of them. See, I I, I believe that so many of us are struggling with this as, as we're coming out of this, as we're, as we're talking about it, as we're starting to be around people again, we're relearning how to be around people, and, and, and so many people are just discouraged and they're lonely and they're frustrated. Listen to me. Don't miss that God is with you and gave His Holy Spirit so that He could be with you always. Always. The ministry of the Holy Spirit was to lead, to protect For presence, and then number four, God's preparing the hearts of those who would follow. Preparing the hearts of those who would follow. He's preparing. And so He was preparing these people as they were going. You go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. So the Holy Spirit, helper, the Holy Spirit, power. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation, and at this sound, The multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and they were astonished at this. Skip down to verse 12. Well, Verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They were testifying the mighty works of God to all people in all languages. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? this mean? What does this mean? Just as oxygen revitalizes a fire, the Holy Spirit wants to revitalize us. That's what it meant. And in the next verse, where it says, But others mocking, saying they are filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and says, These are not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Spirit because this is what we've waited for. Just as oxygen revitalizes a fire, the Holy Spirit wants to revitalize us. And we must remove the barriers and surrender to Him. Because here's the truth. If we're to divide the room, okay, and you've got Ian and Bree over here, and they're they're Old Testament, okay, and so let's split it. Let's split it right here, okay. I think it's a little lopsided. I think there's more people right here, and probably so. So you guys, Renfretz and Troy, you're you're with Ian and Bree, okay. You're Old Testament people. So we got Daniel, we got Noah, we got Jonah, okay. We got all you guys over here, Joseph. All right, all right. And then you guys with Dylan and Jenny over here, right? This would be a great dodgeball game. I'm just looking right now. Whew, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I would pick right now for, but we could do that later if you want. There's not another service coming in until 6 o'clock, so we got time if we want to clear the chairs and figure this out. Okay, but you guys are New Testament folks, okay? We got Paul, we got Luke, okay, James is in here somewhere. All right, you got you guys New Testament, okay? Ananias and Sapphira, all right. Um, uh, you you okay? Uh, Timothy, all right. All you guys, right? New Testament, okay. And the temptation for us when we look when we think New Testament, because remember, okay, we're we're part of this crew right here. We're part of the New Testament Church, right? And so we've got a Matt Tibbetts over here too. Okay, you guys are part of it, right? And the temptation for this group of people is to look over at this group of people and say, Moses, man, what was it like? What was it like to go before Pharaoh and free the... What was it like to, to just be walking in a field and see a burning bush? Right? I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and that old billy goat. What was it like to be in the furnace of, the, in the furnace of fire and not burn? Daniel, Daniel, what was it like to be in a lion's den? Right. I mean, I mean, so many of us live like that. Right. So many of us think, man, I can't wait to get to heaven, have a conversation with Jonah about what it smelled like in that fish. Right. I mean, I mean, I just can't wait. Right. And so many of us, we we talk like that. We live like that. We act like that. Right. Like like we've got our list. Right. We talk about it at, at, at different gatherings. If I could meet one person from the Old Testament, who would it be? And many of us have that right on the tip of our tongue. I can't wait to meet so-and-so, because I want to know what it was like. But you want to know the reality. I believe when we step into heaven, Shadrach, Meshach, and that old Billy goat, they're going to come running up to us. Daniel's going to come running up to us. Joseph, Abraham, and Noah, Jonah they're going to come they're going to come running Shannon what was it like man what was it like to live your life with the Holy Spirit inside of you Bruce tell me tell me because i got to know I waited for it I waited for it for years for years I, I waited for it and it never happened what was it like to live your life with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead what was it like And just as oxygen revitalizes a fire, we've all seen it. We've all tried it. Some of us have succeeded. Some of us have failed to to rebuild fires, right? But just as oxygen revitalizes a fire, so the Holy Spirit revitalizes the soul of the believer. It's like steam, it's like steam. We don't always see steam. Right? We don't we don't we don't really know where steam comes from. We we kinda know how it's made because you can turn a, a shower completely hot and you can see the you know, you can, we, we can create steam because the, the mirror fogs up, right? Or we can turn on a kettle on the stove, right? And, and we can create steam, but we're, anyway, you get the point, right? We can't always see steam, but we know the effects of it, because if you run your hand over that hot kettle, what's going to happen? It's going to burn. You turn a hot shower on, the mirror is going to fog up, right? So the Holy Spirit's effect and work in our lives. I can't always feel it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working, but we can all see the effects of it. We can all see the impact. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit longs to reveal to you the deeper things of God. He longs to love Through you. He longs to work through you. Through the blessed Holy Spirit, you have strength for every duty, wisdom for every problem, comfort in every sorrow, joy in His overflowing service. What does this mean? My prayer for you this week, my prayer for us this week, this year, this month, as we've kicked this off has been this God, fill us with the expectancy, the hunger, the thirst, and the need for your presence like never before. Fill us. And part of that comes with the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe Peter's order in this sermon was perfect. Because so many of us, we want what's coming next. We want the next eight weeks. When we hear people talk about the Acts church, we... We hear people talk about Acts 2, 42 through 47, which is what we're going to get into for the next eight weeks. We hear them talk about fellowship. We hear them talk about generosity. We hear them talk about breaking bread together. We hear them talk about sharing everything in common. We hear them talk about all of that, but yet we forget the first piece of Peter's sermon where we have to surrender to the lordship and control of the person and work of Jesus. We have to repent. There is heart and soul work because sin separates us from God, so we've got to repent of it. We've got to out identify with Jesus, not be a closet Christian. And we've got to live in accordance and, and under the power and the help of the Holy Spirit that's in our hearts before we can taste the goodness of what church and, and, the, and the foundation and the institution was intended to be. And the reality for us, listen, listen, and the reality for us is if you do that, and you do that, and you do that, and you do that, and I do that, man, imagine, the world has yet to see, I believe this with the bottom of my heart, the world has yet to see the fruit of a church that is set on fire for him. That's set on fire, and you can call it naive, you can call it youthfulness, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but I believe it's possible. It's possible. Man, I believe it's possible and I believe, I believe, I wouldn't be in this if I, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone through the week that I just went through after preaching on repentance of sin if I didn't believe it. I want to see it. I want to see it. This side of my life, I want to see what it looks like for a church to truly walk in accordance and under the, uh, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. His help and His power. I believe we have started that. I, be, I, be, I believe we started that. Did I share this service? I don't think I shared this service. I started out last service. And I started out last Sunday night service. I haven't told the ten thirty crowd yet. We gave over ninety. We, mm, pause. Catch my breath. Mass break. Whew. In twenty twenty, in the midst of a pandemic, Summit Church gave ninety four thousand dollars away. The church budget when I came to South Coast in 2011 was like 112. That's unreal, dude. That's unreal. I mean, seven, eight years ago, we didn't we didn't give anything away because we needed every cent. And then we started giving it away. And guess what happened? We got more. It's amazing what happens when you trust God with your finances and we didn't just get more resources. We got more people And all of this was because of the Spirit of God. We're seeing. We're just tipping the iceberg. If I can encourage you for just a minute, we're tipping the iceberg with this. But the world has yet to see the fruit of a church that's fully controlled and yielded to Him. And the power of His Spirit. And I pray we see it. I pray we see it. But I recognize, worship team, y'all got to come so that I stop. Okay? listen I I realize what do we do with this pastor I want to I hear what you're saying and I want it I want it how do I get it you know what's been on my heart all weekend how when I look at when I look at these people what does this mean what does this mean in Acts 2 I've been thinking of Moses Man, I've been thinking of Moses in Exodus 32. you think of what has just happened? I mean, the Israelites were done with Moses. And to be honest, Moses was kind of done with the Israelites, right? I mean, Moses was up on the mountain where he needed to be, spending time with the Lord. The Israelites lost heart. As for this, Moses, we don't know what's become of him. You mean to tell, as for this, Moses, when you think about all the things, okay, sorry. As for this Moses, we don't know what's become of him. They created a golden calf so they could worship something, because Moses wasn't there to lead them and tell them what to, you know. I mean, come on, people. How many times am I the Israelite anyway? It's another message. That's last week's. Moses comes down. He rebukes the people. He gives Aaron a stern look and talking to, and goes back up on the mountain to be with God. God's ready to do away with all the Israelites. Say, hey Moses, I'm going to start over with you. We're going to have another Noah thing. I'm going to start over with you. Right? Moses is like, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. I can lead these people, God. I can do this. But i got to know you're with me. Show me your glory. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I talk about it all the time. And here's why. The determination of Moses before God to say, God, I'm not leaving this mountain until I see your presence. I'm not leaving this mountain until I get a glimpse of your glory. That determination stirred, it moved God. It moved God in such a way that God said, Okay, there's a cleft. And the rock over there. Go stand in there. I'll cover your face with my hand because you can't see my face and live. And when all my glory passes by, I'll remove my hand and you'll be able to see the back of my robe. Moses just got a glimpse of the back of the robe. But it was enough. I mean, you think about it. In this time period, it's enough. Holy Spirit hasn't come to live inside of people yet. That was enough. Getting a glimpse of the back of the robe of God was enough. The presence of God was enough for Moses to keep going. It was enough for Moses to keep going. And so he goes on. But he had to know. He was determined to know that the presence of God was with him. Listen to me. Some of us have forgotten what the presence of God feels like. And I get it. I understand it's been hard. I mean, let's just take the last year. Pandemic, racial injustice over the summer that we dealt with and still dealing with every day. A messy political season. Just to name three, and those are those are external. Like those are popular. That's not to mention the loss you experienced. That's not to mention the messy relationship. That's not to mention the the situation with one of your children that's yet to be reconciled. That's not to mention. Listen to me. What would it look like for us to go on the mountain? God, I'm not leaving here until I feel your presence. God, let me not sleep. Let me not rest. Until I feel your presence. I'm pursuing you with everything. I'm putting putting my job on it. I'm putting everything on it. Everything I've got right here. God, I need to feel your presence. I need to feel you. I need to feel you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Don't settle for anything less. Peter says, Repent, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for an expectancy. Pray for a hunger. Pray for a thirst. And I pray for a prayer life that's not passive but persistent in its pursuit of your help. Of your power that comes through the Holy Spirit. May it be so. We need you. We need you. Every, every hour we need you. May we live like it. In Jesus' name.